Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Writer's Routine. This is the podcast where we chat to a published author about their working day. We hear the curiosities and the nuances of their daily ritual in the hope that it might help our own. Today, we're chatting to an author whose books about an amateur detective working around sleazy Soho are so good that his publisher instantly signed him up. You can hear what it's like writing a novel on the commute to and from the day job, and also how sometimes, if you're having trouble, an old-fashioned classroom does the trick. I'd pretty much given up. I thought, well, I can write these stories, but I don't know how to get published. I, I know all of the things you're supposed to do. Um, and then for my 40th birthday, my friends and my other half had got me a set of writing courses. And this was one of those exercises they always do. Create a character before the tea break. And then after the tea break, destroy this character's world. Because every you've got to understand everything they love and hold dear. Then you've got to take it all away from them and explain what will happen. It's all on the way on this week's Writer's Routine. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. This is Writer's Routine. My name is Dan Simpson. Hello. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Remember, if you're enjoying the show and you want to hear it without the faff of having to open up the podcast app, click download on it. There's a much easier way. Just subscribe to Writer's Routine on your favourite podcast place and the show will automatically appear in your phone every Friday or so. It seriously couldn't be easier. Now, our guest this week is the author Derek Farrell. He's published three Danny Bird mysteries. They're all about a barman turned amateur detective around the sodden, gin-soaked streets of Soho. There is Death of a Diva, Death of a Nobody, and Death of a Devil. So just with the names, you kind of get an idea of the books that they are. They're rip-roaring fun. They're kind of camp, but in a very smart, not lazy way at all. And they're just a brilliant modern-day whodunit with twists and turns and little devices that keep you guessing all along the way. Now, the thing is, Derek isn't a full-time writer. He does this on the side, usually typing it out on the train to and from work. So we'll find out more about that in just a sec. And also, you can hear why he once almost wrote a full-blown novel on a single flight home. Now, very quickly, if you have subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review. You see, a lot of work goes into making the show as good as it can be, and we've got some huge interviews on the way with some of the UK's favourite authors. So it makes sense. The maths is the more reviews we get, 
the higher up the chart we can climb and the more new listeners we can get involved to the show and who can be helped out with their work by some of the most successful writers around. You see, it's so simple to do. Just get onto the iTunes podcast store, find Writer's Routine and leave us a review. Now that's the begging part of the show out of the way. We can get on to this week's author. It's our chat with Derek Farrell and we start with where he sits down to write. Well, what I see in front of me most days is the back of the train carriage in front of me. The back of the seat on the train carriage that I'm sitting in. Um, First drafts are basically, because I have a day job, first drafts are basically hammered out in the hour and ten minutes commute from my home to the office and then back. Weekends I have an office at home so I can basically sit there and maybe do eight hours on a Saturday to try and pick things up. And there is very little else to see deliberately because I'm one of the most easily distracted people I know. I've got the attention span of a goldfish. So behind me at home, I've got all sorts of bits of paraphernalia and uh, inspirational stuff and all the rest. But it has to stay behind me. Otherwise, I'll spend my entire time rearranging the pin board instead of actually putting any words down. So So tell me about the commute then. I don't think I've chatted to an author before who has solely written his books on trains. Well... If, if they published the stuff that's written on the trains, I wouldn't have had a second book. The, the point for me is the first draft is the dump. It's just get everything down. Um, so what tends to get done is I do a lot of prep before I begin writing. So I plot, usually my sketch is about 5,000 words before I even begin the book. But that means that it's not the case of having to sit on a train and think, what scene am I doing today? I'll actually be able to go, right, click, open up, you're at this piece, the next bit, they have to go to this bar, meet this guy, this happens. So for me, it's very much a case of that straightforward, so I can just write that scene, I can let myself go and let it ramble a bit. Um, The quality is sometimes great, sometimes not, but the point is you end up with the first draft at the end of the couple of months that you can then spend twice as long working on so i'm very interested now in your sketch if you say that's about five thousand words talk me through what that was for your last published book which would have been death of a devil yes so talk me through what we knew about danny bird okay on the sketch just as is okay that was an interesting one because death of a devil was the third one i was contracted originally for one and then the publisher was like we want more of these um I'd actually gone to South Africa for two weeks with the intent being I would write, and it was the tail end of last year. It was after Brexit and in the middle of Trump. And the Danny Bird novels are lightly comic, I like to say. This was not the time to be writing a lightly comic book. So after two weeks, I'd ended up with something that was horrifically dark about things you couldn't really make jokes about. So it literally was a case of, right, you you cannot use this. You can't. There was a decent story in it, but it wasn't a Danny Bird story. And panic began to kick in. It was the first time in my entire life I'd ever been sort of, not blocked as such, but what am I writing? How am I going to do this? So I had a, I think it's about an 11-hour flight back from Joburg that I basically said, you're not sleeping. You're going to sit on this plane and get something. So in the case of Death of a Devil, it was very much a case of, I have all of my old notebooks digitized, so they're on the iPad that I use. Um, the characters in the books, when I did the first book, had really, really detailed backstories. So much so that from those backstories alone, I figure I can get about 10 or 11 books eventually pulled out of them. I sort of write 
beginning, the middle, the end, fill in the bits either side, um, and work my way through. It was a less precise sketch than the previous two, Death of a Diva and Death of a Nobody, um, because those had taken, you know, a lot of time to work through. I was listening to, I think Mark Hill, you had a few weeks ago, was saying he writes his stories in a random order, pretty much. And I was thinking, well, I don't do that. And then I realized, actually, although I write linearly, the sketch is random. So the sketch, I will fill in bits and pieces as they come to me and put them into their right place. Um, and it means that things like some, some scenes will be one line. As I said, you know, they go to a bar, they meet X. Some scenes will end up being the entire scene, effectively, all the dialogue, everything that needs to be said as it occurs to me goes down, which means when it comes to the first draft, it literally is a copy-paste. That's that done. I'd pretty much given up. I thought, well, I can write these stories, but I don't know how to get published. I, I know all of the things you're supposed to do. Um, and then for my 40th birthday, my friends and my other half got me a set of writing courses, one of which was, I think, about five or six or seven weeks at the Groucho on a Saturday morning. So we go there at 9 a.m. till midday, and write um, and this was one of those exercises they always do create a character before the tea break and then after the tea break destroy this character's world because every you've got to understand everything they love and hold dear then you've got to take it all away from them and explain what will happen and I effectively had written about this every man character who goes to work one morning in you know a fairly run-of-the-mill mundane job but he's happy he's got a good life he's in a long-term relationship with this wealthier man who's able to sort of pay the bills and so on and he's made redundant from the job comes home early and finds the other man in bed with a window cleaner. Um, and that was it. It was a sketch for an exercise that was never intended to do anything. But then a couple of people for weeks afterwards kept saying, I want to know what happens to him. Um, and I would go drinking with him. He sounds really fun. And that was it. It was just like, well, I still wasn't writing it for publication. I just thought, well, what would happen to him? And I ended up with a novel that was still... Really, at that stage, I thought, okay, it's part hard-boiled thriller, part cosy, camp. Mm, I wouldn't even necessarily say camp. It's funny rather than campy. Um, but I don't know what to do with this. Um, but the other interesting point was around the same time, I'd started thinking of creating um, a drag queen character called Dolly Bird. And the idea was it would be the Dolly Bird mysteries and Dolly Bird would be this six foot three drag queen who beats up gangsters, which immediately got put in the never, never to be used pile, mainly because I don't know any drag queens and it would have been a huge amount of research that I wasn't ready to do. But then it all sort of gelled together. It was the case of, okay, you've got this character, you've got this whole idea of, you know, the world's grimiest bars and all, the, all of this sort of like milieu that was already well-formed in my mind, mainly because I'd spent most of my 20s and 30s drinking in them. Um, and that, that then just sort of collided. And then for me, it was a case of, as I say, with no intent other than finishing a story, sitting down and plotting the thing out. And all of those classic, you know, how to write books will talk about knowing your characters. But I had gone to the extreme that, as I say, I ended up knowing them so well that individual stories would occur. 
And if you see that your first draft is almost like the vomit draft, which I've heard on this show a few times, how are you then fleshing that out into the second draft? What are you looking for? What, how are you sculpting the, the work? Uh, the first thing is about cutting away. Um, because very often what I'll do is I'll end up writing scenes that I think are great and then realizing that they don't actually do anything for the story. So with me, it's, in, it's incredibly plot-driven. Um, and so every single scene has to drive the story forward. Um, and so with the second draft, I'm usually quite lucky. Normally what will happen is the basis is there. I, 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 don't, I don't normally touch wood. So far, I haven't had to do huge amounts of rewriting. I've just had to take away more so. Um, sometimes it will be a joke that has me rolling on the floor, but it just doesn't fit, so it has to come out and they get... And nothing's ever wasted. You know, there, I think there's a scene in the fourth one which I'm writing now, uh, which was originally in the first book, but did nothing. And it was a scene where Danny goes back to his parents' house, um, so you got to meet his family, but it did nothing in that book. But the next book is all about Danny's family, so that goes in when you're told by your publisher that they want a second and then a third and now a fourth how much are you having to mine your character to come up with anything for them to do is it a bit more pressure a bit more of a chore than it was the first time round when you were simply writing for the fun of it yes yeah <laughs> put, put simply yes the first time round was I could take as long as I wanted I'm, with, I'm lucky my publisher is a, a smaller house called Fahrenheit Press who really support the books and as a result they're like you know what if, if it takes six months if it takes two years write the next book that's what we want but I put a lot of pressure on myself because I don't want the readers to be left I know what it's like to be waiting for the next book in a series so I'm trying to do them at least one a year at the moment um, but the pressure is so a there's the time sensitivity I've got I want to keep the quality up and I want to get it out uh, B it's more about... It, it's funny. I gave up worrying about whether this would be believable to an extent. You know that if it's a series about an amateur detective who stumbles across crime, once would be bad luck, twice would be unlikely. You know, I've got... I, I love... Um, Lawrence Block does a series about Bernie Rodenbauer, who's a burglar. And every single time this guy tries to do a burglary, there's a dead body involved. I think they're about... 12 or 15 books in and you accept it you buy into the idea so so i don't worry so much about it being uh stretching it the challenge for me is to find something that makes sense in danny's world um as i say the story i ended up sketching out for book three last year didn't make sense it was a sort of it was a reaction to events that were going on around me and i realized by the end of doing the sketch you've stretched the characters you've tried to put the characters into positions and situations that they would not be in and that's the only challenge really for me is if it doesn't feel like they'd naturally stumble into this then i, I can't put them in it We'll get more from Derek Farrell's writer's routine in just a sec, where we'll talk about just how well he knows his characters and also the origin story of how he finally got published. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Part two of our chat with Derek Farrell is on the way in just a sec. Now there's no distinguished diaries today or ever again actually now just let me pause right here just to wait for the angry bilious tear-stained emails to come flooding into my inbox and yeah there they are it doesn't matter though i've got something brand new in its place happening in a few shows time and it's something that if you're struggling as a writer yourself i think what's coming up could give you far greater help than me reading from a few famous people's diaries ever could so make sure you stick around for that Now, first, before we get back into the interview, let me quickly remind you of all the ways that you can keep across what we're doing on Writer's Routine. You can give us a follow on Twitter to get regular updates and sneak peeks of the show. It's at Writer's Pod on there, and it's probably the best way to contact us if you're really keen for a quick answer. Also, we're on Instagram. It's Writer's Routine on there, the obvious one. And you can get clips from episodes and short videos behind the scenes of interviews on the gram. Uh, And you can head to our website as well. It's writersroutine.com for all the ways that you can hear the show it's all there you can also catch up with all the episodes we've done so far and you can get in touch with us on the website as well too and please i'm gonna beg again for just a few seconds bear with me if you know anyone who you think would find this show useful let them know about writer's routine as soon as you can this week if possible if you've got a friend who's having a creative block and you're bored of them moaning to you about how the words just won't come out if you know that they're struggling to write or maybe They just like hearing about niche, nerdy daily routines. Well, send them over to Writer's Routine this week. Because in our next episode, we've got one of the UK's greatest living authors. Now, I'll tell you more about who it is in just a bit. You're going to have to hang around where you are, though, because first, let's get back to our chat with the writer of the Danny Bird Mysteries, Derek Farrell, where we chat about getting his books finally published, whether he's cracked a story writing formula at all as well, And we start with the hardest part of getting each novel going. The challenge for me is the inciting event every time. Um, And in the first one, he and the things that happen in his life are the inciting events. So that was fine. Uh, The second one, I could do similar. He's... He's ended up running this pub. He's trying to turn it into a gastro pub. He holds an event that's essentially awake, um, which was great fun to do. And then one of his hired cater waiters is bludgeoned to death with a meat mallet that our hero has been using to hammer out the chicken escalopes. Um, 
as it goes on for me if i if, if you said you want a sixth one now i would have to sit down and i'd go back through the other characters because that's where the inciting events come from for me it's either something that's going to happen that will involve the other characters or so far that's how it's worked i can't imagine just creating something randomly out of the ether because again it doesn't fit danny's world danny's world is about the community the friends and the family he has so the plots for me are always hooked into them and your stories they're written in the first person yeah it's i'm doing this i'm doing that why is that the choice that you made is that simply because you knew you know danny so well so it makes the most logical narrative sense or or is that just how you write it felt right um and and it's funny i've asked that question of myself to be honest with you if i look back at many of the the authors in the books that i've liked i love agatha christie because they're classic mysteries and classic structures but they're very often the early ones were very often first person then within about sort of 10 years she moved into third person but a lot of the other modern modern authors that i like do first person so with danny it was very much the exercise that we did at the groucho you had to do it in the first person it was i am this character and then you you tweak it it just never occurred to me to switch it to third and i will be honest there have been moments when i thought what have i done because it re- it, it can be limiting you can't really have something happen that he can't see does it make it easier though because it's almost an internal monologue so it's not like you're looking at it from a film uh, a bird's eye view like it is in a movie where you can see things happening all over the place that will then affect the main narrative it's almost like an inner monologue just a spiel of his consciousness it makes it easier to write definitely it makes it slightly more challenging to plot because for example his sidekick is, is lady caroline who's probably most of my readers favorite characters i think they prefer her to, to danny to be honest with you um but she can't do stuff on her own because Danny wouldn't be able to write it or, or I would have to switch into third person or create a whole new structure where it was alternating between the voices. And, you know, God, God, please God, if I get to 20 books down the road, maybe we will have changed the structure. But for now, it makes it very easy to write because it just flows. It's, it's very much... I hate saying this because people say it's my voice and it's like, I'm not Danny. He's smarter, he's smarter than me to begin with and younger. Um, but it makes it easier to write, harder to plot. I'm part of a, uh, a writing and publishing network called Bite the Book. Um, and I, I, I wasn't at the time. A friend of mine who was a published author was going to a boot camp they were running at London Book Fair. Um, and effectively, it was a combination of it was a boot camp for both traditionally and self-published authors, but it was talking to authors about the marketing side of things, which many trad, trad authors don't necessarily pay a lot of attention. They think writing the book is enough. That's changed in the last few years. But I went to this um, mainly because having written Death of a Diva and then started on Death of a Nobody, I had decided I wanted to do something with it um, and I was going to self-publish it. So I thought, let me get some, some tips. Let me understand what the market is, what, what, the con- you, know, what you need to be thinking about. So I'd gone along. Um, I was really interested. I'd asked a few questions. Um, one of the speakers was Chris McVeigh, who at that time had essentially retired from publishing. He'd been um, in, well, I 
I guess some people would say it was it was marketing within publishing, but he'd probably say he was some sort of magician in publishing, um, and he he helped to develop certain publishers um, lists and get certain books out there and and make them more visible. Um, so talked to him afterwards. Got on well, exchanged cards, went on with my life. Few weeks later, um, touched base with him because I heard that he had then decided he was going to set up a publishing company um, because he'd had so much interest from people who were saying, you know, they were disappointed with how trad publishing was necessarily working for them, um, and almost as a as two fingers up to trad publishing, he said, Let, let's do this. So still not thinking I would be published by him, I had actually touched base to say, I want to pick your brains on some questions around stuff and, and you know, do I need to, how, do, how am I doing the create space stuff? Do I need ISBNs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he said, well, why are you um, asking me these questions? Why aren't you pitching me the book? And I was like, well, because we're mates and I didn't want to pitch, I would rather pitch a book on a complete, to a completely strange stranger person who I, who I don't necessarily have a relationship with because whether they like it or love it is a business decision rather than something between two friends. And his response on that was, well, if I like it, I'll like it. And if I don't like it, we'll still be friends, but it will be no thank you. So I had already tried a couple of agents with Death of a Diva and had the kickbacks, which is why I had decided to go for self-publishing. Um, I got on my train home at 5.30 on the Monday night, and there was an email saying, I will not beat around the bush, I don't like this book. And when I opened it, he said, I love it. I have no real idea what market we can fit it into, but I want to have it. Um, and apparently he had, he had downloaded a couple of hundred books onto his Kindle, which were the slush pile that he'd been sent through, taken them away for the weekend with a plan that he would read the first chapter and if he didn't like it, delete the item. And if he did like it, he would save it, move on. Um, and he he was eight chapters into mine before he realized he was actually supposed to be moving on. Um, and when, when, he, when he paused, his sister was like, well, whatever you've been reading for the last 45 minutes seems to have kept you laughing like a drain. So he said, yeah, that's a keeper. And that's how I ended up being published. You're three books in now. What does a Danny Bird mystery need to be? As you say, you've got a fan base now that is after some aspects. They like the sidekick possibly more than they like him. They like how it's funny. What does one of your stories need to be? And do you almost have, this is a lazy way of me putting this, do you almost have a formula for how a Danny Bird mystery needs to look and read? Not yet. I'm not sure. I, I don't know that I'd actually want a formula. Um... But no, I think all three so far have been quite different in, in a way. So Death of a Diva, um, much more streamlined, straightforward. I think Death of a Nobody had more subplots. Um, Death of a Devil, far more subplots. And the next one is quite complicated. I'm having fun with that one. Uh, but what it needs to be, I think, is the plotting, the dialogue and that sense of melancholy seems to be important but other than that it's it, it's it's an interesting question because i've had so danny has a an on again off again romantic interest in the stories um and i've had some people mail me on every single book saying there wasn't enough of that even when i've put more in it's like no we still want more of that i've had other people as i say say we want a, a, a kaz standalone so what's interesting for me is 
the formula is not something I'm aware of and it's not something that my readers seem to be aware of because they all seem to like different aspects. I guess the formula, if there is one, would be that community element, the fact that you've got all of these characters. It can become challenging because you almost have to find something for them all to do. Um, and in fact, in the fourth book, they're mostly absent. It's a different It's a different story. So if there is a formula, I'm about to blow it up with the fourth book. That is it for this week then. A massive thank you to Derek Farrell. He's got three books out in the Danny Bird Mysteries right now. Uh, we've got a link to all of them over on our website as well to make it nice and easy for you. You can also get in touch with the show and find all of our old episodes there as well. It is writersroutine.com. Now, next week on the show, I tell you, you need to make sure that you're here. We're chatting to Anthony Horowitz, one of the UK's greatest loved authors, I reckon. He's worked on Alex Ryder novels. They were the ones that threw him to national attention. Also, he's written new Sherlock Holmes and James Bond books. And he's one of the only authors who has written new stories from these old characters to be verified by both the original author's estates. He's written for TV for adults and he is still dreaming up new stories for his teenage spy, Alex Ryder. Now, I've already done the interview and I think it's going to be a little bit different to the ones we've done in the past on Writer's Routine. I think it's going to be the whole 45-minute chat, untouched, unedited, straight from the beginning all the way through to the end. So make sure you're here for that next week on the show. And if you do know anyone who would appreciate a writing tip from one of the country's greatest authors, you need to point them towards the show. Persuade them, please, to subscribe to Writer's Routine. And also... If you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. That way you can even persuade people that you don't know to get involved with the show. So thank you for listening. I will see you next week where we'll be here back on Writer's Routine with Anthony Horowitz. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 